Welcome to episode three of Footy Chat. This week we're talking Arsenal, the legitimate contender. Uh, Barcelona have a hard time beating 10 men. Celtic, how would Bayern fare in the BPL? And also the lawyer from the Bosman case is coming back to fight financial fair play. With me this week I have... Gusset. Jason Anastasiatis. RP. Anthony can't join us this week, but he will be back with us on our next episode. Gentlemen, as always, welcome. Hello. Cross. Most. All right, so this was right. really interesting to read this week. Uh, Parisian Cafe has released a 50-pound burger called Les Lapins, which, according to its creator, has the power and strength of the Swedish ninja. What the fuck does that mean? Are we talking a 50-pound burger? As in, you know, we get like a quarter pounder with cheese or a Le Royale <laughs> with? I, I, think, I think we're meaning sterling here. <laughs> well, first of all, I couldn't think of a horrible use of an oxymoron. I remember last year when I was in Manchester, I went to some pub over there and I uh, ordered a Roy Keane and it consisted of eight fingers of Irish whiskey and they called it the Sober Irishman. <laughs> How much was it? Fuck, two potatoes. <laughs> it sounds like it would be paired well with Les Latons. <laughs> right, so today, uh, Harry Redknapp came out and attacked the FA uh, over what he considers kind of the botched England job. He, um, as far as he's concerned, the England job was his. He was a fan favorite. Uh, he was the, the, the team's favorite. He said, he's come out and said, like, he's named some names like Gerard and a few other guys. Said that they were sending text messages leading up to it, like, basically expecting him to take the job. Um, and that he even, he even approached Brendan Rodgers in April, I believe, of 2012 to actually be his assistant. He wanted to change the entire culture of the way the English team plays. Instead of playing this fucking long ball game and 4 4 2, very static sort of formation, he wanted to create more possessive, possessive game. Obviously not to become Spain, because that would never actually happen. But he wanted to, to kind of change it. And I feel like he's, he's kind of got a point. Because, I, I, obviously, I always have a little bit of bias. Uh, when Hodgson was the Liverpool manager, it was, to me, it was like the fucking darkest time I've ever known uh, as a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> the best thing that ever came out of the, out of the Hodgson era was like these funny little memes of him like running around. I'm going to show it to you sometime. You'll laugh your ass off. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, look, I look at Hodgson, and I don't think tactically he's made England much better. I think he just now has maybe a better crop of players that he's getting to infuse in the team than they had, you know, four years ago. Uh, I think, theoretically, Red Knapp does make some good points um, in just kind of maybe changing the culture and methodology of um, maybe the FA's approach. Uh, and I like to think, I mean, in, in just looking at uh, England's team over the past, oh God, maybe 10, 15, 20 years, it seems like it's just a faceless coach. However, their problems lie within the domestic strife with, that lies within their league. Um, and it doesn't transfer over well to the, um, when they play together as a nation. For instance, I think, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like, Gerard and Lampard fucking hate each other's guts. It feels like that, yeah. And how do you expect these guys to play with any sort of cohesion on the national team? 
Um, and I thought I think this has been the, the honestly England's Achilles heel amongst other things. Um, but it's getting them to work in unison, and I, I really think that the the turmoil boils over from the, uh, the, the the domestic league and hatred towards one another. You know, and, and I've always made this uh, kind of stark contrast or comparison rather to um, uh, Hockey Canada. Right. When you have players who, when they play each other in the National Hockey League, they look like genuinely are competitive with one another. They would drop the gloves and, and would line up. But when they put on the same jersey and represent their nation, they you couldn't ask for better teammates. It's like water under the bridge. And they just kind of move on and get, and they understand why they are there and what the message is. Well, maybe uh, with in, in terms of you know players hating each other, is there a bigger derby in the world than Barcelona or Real Madrid? And so, you know, if if two clubs that absolutely hate each other can come together, their players can come together and win three tournaments back to back. Do you think? You know, these players in England can bury the hatchet and kind of move forward? I don't know about burying the hatchet, but they could bury the hatchet. Um, no, but what I, and that does go deeper, though, when we're talking about Spain, because you're talking about the, uh, the Catalonians and then the rest of Spain. So it does go a little bit deeper. That's true. Yeah, yeah and, really, and Catalonians even have their own national team. They're not right. FIFA recognized, but... Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it must be kind of hard though to have any sort of like compatriotism in a team when you got a defender that you know at any given time you could be out trying to fuck your wife. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, there, uh, FIFA has put together a Qatari task force. It almost sounds like a fucking video game. <laughs> Qatari task force, uh, just uh, to go out. But call of footy. <laughs> <laughs> So the task force, it's obviously being, it's being born in the last week where like all these issues were coming out of Qatar, like slavery and stuff. But it seems the focus is, what, picking the month? Uh, do you think that they could, FIFA's just trying to make a different headline out of Qatar? Uh, trying to really distance itself from what's come out over the past couple of weeks about, you know, the, the workers not being paid, underpaid, no water, dying... Uh, you know, withholding of the passport. Like, do you think you know that FIFA is just trying to distance themselves from that? You know, make new headlines. Maybe a reverse uh, smear campaign or something. But uh, I, I can see them um, wanting to just kind of create something to take away from that. However, uh, I mean, I'm not too, too too sure how mainstream the uh, the, the whole. Um, Issue with the Nepalese slave labor has 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 gone. How widespread it's it's reached. Um, but again, I mean, you just kind of look at it from a humanitarian standpoint, just from a fucking human being standpoint. What trumps what? The fucking weather, the month, or people dying, and and not being paid to create something that's supposed to represent and stand for unity and, and um, spread this whole global message of fair play. Oh, we, we've seen this numerous times with, you know, building, you know, building the World Cup. Like in South, uh, South Africa, 2010, you know, they had strikes. They had, you know, underpaid labor. That's, that's the only way that they can get these games in, you know, in a costly, in a costly matter without losing a shit ton of money. 
basically, I was gonna say, what better fucking um, like like vocal point or, or uh, stage, world world stage, do these do these do these uh, communities have to kind of use their voice to get their message heard? Like, I mean, look at what has been happening in Rio. Right. I mean, you're seeing some of the biggest protesters in a country where all you think about people uh, where and if anybody who makes any thing out of themselves they're either a football player mixed martial artist or a drug dealer right right also coming on the news this week is the uh the the lawyer from the from the the bosman case or the, the bosman transfers uh jean-louis dupont uh, he's he's actually coming out now he, he's trying to take down financial fair play i'm just wondering should we be doing this episode in french a lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of french topics here well, I can do my awesome Parisian right French or Le Quebecois? Le Quebecois. <laughs> uh, give me some uh, protein and uh, Bud Light. So, I mean, I, I, I read the article, I uh, kind of uh, got through it. I mean, I'm no uh, co- economist by no means, but um, uh, it, it sounds like, you know, the, this FFP will have any, will have little to no effect on the dichotomy of the major five leagues. I mean, you're still going to have your Davids versus Goliaths, and I mean, all I'm seeing here is it's just going to be kind of a freeze, um, and it's just going to be the kind of a revenue freeze, and you're still going to have the, the the major teams, your 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 middling teams, and then you're going to have your bottom, your perennial bottom feeders. Well, you're still going to have, you know, your big team's still going to be your big team. It's just a matter of fact if they're going to generate the type of money that, you know, these oil shakes are bringing into the game. Because a team like Arsenal, you know, they're going to generate more money than a team like West Brom globally. So they're generally going to have more money to spend. And, yeah, Arsenal doesn't have that, you know, they usually spend the money that they generate. They don't really, you know, they don't have no oil shake backing, like, Ella, Man City, Paris Saint-Germain, you know. So, um, uh, the, the financial fair play, I still think, is a pretty big joke. I mean, you, you look at the teams that that UEFA is banned from Champions League competition, and it's not the it's not the Man City, it's not PSG or Madrid or Barcelona. Who is it? It's the the lower tier Spanish teams like Malaga. Right. You know, they're, they're the ones that are receiving the discipline for, you know, not paying their players. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's just like, oh, you're, you're going to tell that, you're going to tell teams like Man City and uh, and Barcelona and all these other big clubs, you can't play in the Champions League? You don't think they'll just say, okay, fuck you, we're going to start our own? Which league? there's already been talks of. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Uli Honus from Bayern said, you know, we don't even need the Champions League. We can start our own league. Yeah, you know where they they get more of the revenue because how how uh, the, the Champions League I think even makes more money than than the World Cup. So it, it's it's UEFA's easily UEFA's highest you know money earner. So, uh, well, you know, I in, in I mean I like some of the alternative that he kind of uh, mentioned here. Um, however. How about a luxury tax? Um, do you think that that is going to have any sort of effect on a manage uh, on on um, on Roman Abraham? 
whatever the fuck his name is. Ibrahimovic. Um, uh, the the Man City owners or any of these big clubs? Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Uh, did the luxury effect? Did the luxury tax have any effect um, when they implemented it in in Major League Baseball? On the Yankees. Steinbrenner just said, "Fuck it." Yeah. You know, he just pays it. So I mean. Uh, it, it, I think it is it is good to seek alternative um, you know options, but um, luxury tax will it have some sort of profound, uh, profound effect that they're looking for? I, I don't think so. This is one thing I wonder though about this whole this deal because you have you have this lawyer that uh, the Bosman transfer issue that was all about allowing a player to leave for free after his contract was done, allowing players to move around club to club, um, and, and creating that sort of its, its own little economy in itself. Right. And now he's saying that. Oh, if, if if you actually go out and tell these big clubs all this money, you can't spend more money than you make. Now you're going to shut down that market. Now teams aren't going to buy. They're not going to sell. Personally, I think that's kind of bullshit. Right. You're going to always see transfers. You're going to see players age. Players need to move on. Always having to bring in new blood. I, I don't personally. I, I don't. I don't see financial fair play actually being a catalyst to to, to shut down the the industry of. Of the transfer market. I think what it could possibly do is it just changed the market value. You know, Gareth Bale's not going to be worth $100 million. Instead, it's going to be, you know, 35 You know, there's, there's not going to be that huge inflation that teams know they can charge because they have a Man City right. or they have a PSG willing to pay $60 million for a player. So it, it's all about, you know, an, an inflated market. So maybe, you know, those prices would come down. But you would still time, see the transfers. Yeah, and at the same time, you would stop seeing fans rate to go watch the Cubs play. Right. Like, like, Arsenal has the most expensive season tickets in, in the Premiership. Mind you, their tickets include, I think it's like seven European games. That's not guaranteed everything that you're going to fucking play seven European games. Right. But at the same time, it's like, I think, I think their, their season ticket, like, it's around 1,300 pounds. It's a good chunk so of the money. The cheapest one. Yeah. Either way, I mean, I, I just look, I see this. I see there's a lot of holes in it. I mean, there needs to be some sort of an audit, paper trail. How are these funds allocated? I mean, there's going to be a lot of you know, you know, fudging of numbers and packing of fudges, if what have you. But I mean, it just it just seems like it's uh, it needs to be um, actually like thoroughly reviewed and. Um, you well, know. what was the biggest way around the the financial fair play? All right, uh, I'm gonna name my stadium this from a company I own, and I'm gonna say, okay, those naming rights are a hundred exactly. million dollars. That's Man City, the That's Etihad Man, Stadium, yeah. right there. Exactly, yeah. right. So well, there's a will, there's a way. It, you know, money makes the world go around. All right, Art, drop the quote. Manchester United legend Peter Schmeichel believes that Chelsea striker Fernando Torres should receive a similar ban to that of Liverpool's Luis Suarez after scratching Yang Vertonghen's face on Saturday. Torres was eventually sent off in the Blues' 1-1 draw against Tottenham after getting a second booking, but Schmeichel believes his first booking for a scratch was as bad as Suarez's bite on Branislav Ivanovic, for which he was handed a 10-game suspension. I don't want to say he's going to go out in defence of him, but he makes a good point that you know if Suarez had done what Fernando Torres did, People would have been up in arms and saying, this man, he's a disgrace to the game, he shouldn't be playing, he should be suspended, he should be uh, ex expelled from the Premier League. I think a lot of it has to do with Suarez's history. 
Sorry, were you going to say you that? Did, you did finish my, uh, <laughs> my sentence there. But yeah, it's uh, a lot of it has to do with that. He He's not exactly the most loved player around. I think it can also stem from him biting a player when he played in, uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands or... I don't know, maybe him clearing uh, a ball off the line in the World Cup, only to see him cheering the the missed penalty kick. That's, that didn't really endear him to fans. Though. If either one of us were in that exact same position, oh, we knew, sure. we'd fucking done it. Oh, for yeah. sure. I, so I think a lot of it just has to do with his history. Right. But uh, it, it's interesting to see that Torres, after all that debacle with like Mourinho going on his little rants and stuff, Torres isn't going to receive any additional disciplinary action for clearly trying to rip off Jan Vertonghen's face. Yeah. At what point does the FA say, hey, we live in some sort of archaic society where, like, oh, everyone around us can see that something has happened, but because the ref saw it and did what he felt was necessary, now we, we, we can't retroactively review that. Like, what? This, this baffles me. That is, I mean, to, to me personally, where do you draw the line in terms of what is going to be subjected to disciplinary action and to what extent are you going to go to, which I believe, you know... Well, if you look at any other major sport, you know, everything can be reviewed retroactively and discipline can come down. I don't understand why in football it, it, it can't be. Like, that's, that's ridiculous to, to, to me anyways, that, you know, hockey, uh, football... And baseball, you know, something happens. Like, how many cameras are in a stadium? 60? Yeah. And so, it, literally everything somebody does is caught on a camera, and, and nothing can be done about it? Like, that that just doesn't make any sense to me. Well, and you, you look at, there's been different situations. Like, uh, you look at the, the Rivaldo issue in, in, in the World Cup all those years ago. There's a ball kicked to him, because he's taking a corner. Hits him in the fucking leg. Grabs his face and drops to the ground. Gets the guy a red card in the center of the game. That sort of thing, like, the referee... Okay, the referee saw something. He was... Clearly saw the wrong thing. And well, we can't go back and review this kind of shit. Like, yeah. That, that's bullshit. I mean, in, in any sort of... And, I mean, that's what irritates me the most in football in general. And it has for quite some time. It's the only thing, in my opinion which gives this, um, this beautiful game uh, a pretty dark black eye, is the theatrics, um, is the embellishment, uh, and, and whatnot. And I do believe they should be subject to disciplinary actions in, in, in the form of not only missing games, but you know, some pretty steep fines. And um, you know, if you want to, uh, do, do I think that we're on the right path to eradicating this sort of behavior? Fuck no. Um, we seem like we're in this primitive time where, for whatever reason, it's going to... Uh, so, in your opinion, what would be a steep enough fine for these players that are making millions of dollars? I, for me, I don't, think it's, it's a mon- I don't think it's a monetary fine for me. To me, it's not being able to play. Suspensions, mm-hmm. suspensions are more important than the amount of money they make. Right. They're going to make the money regardless. They've got their contracts and shit. But a, a, a player, like they have, they've, got a, they've got a finite shelf life of being... The, the peak performer that they can be. Yeah. So if you're suddenly like, okay, you're going to miss half a season, I feel like that hurts them more than what the, and then you're going to go to the wallet. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I, I, I agree with that. I think that's where the damage is done is in the games that they are suspended. Um, what, it, what do I feel like is an appropriate fine? 
I still think they should be fine. You know, the player doesn't make that money, but the club also gets fined on top of it. Right. Uh, and that money is then allocated for, for whatever the fuck else they want to do with it. But I mean, um, Justin, you, you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, the, and I'm not talking about a game or two here. You right. know, I'm talking about a significant amount of time. If you want, if you want to get your point across here, but then you're gonna have, you know, are we gonna have a panel to, um, you know, what constitutes an embellishment? Right. You know, we're gonna have this sliding scale that seems like it's gonna be, you know, who is the who's the credible, um, whose whose opinion is credible enough to determine that this is this warrants this punishment or that was bad? And I mean, to me, it's like if you. Oh, fuck. If you wanted me to get into this, I could talk your fucking ear off on it. But, I mean, if somebody dives, embellishes, like they just got fucking shot by a, by a you know, a, a shotgun, and then they're up, you know, running for the ball five minutes later, to me, that is just, I mean, we're talking about some of the most athletic, you know, specimens in the world here. And oh, Can't we get EA Sports to, like, do some sort of computer program that just watches the game, like, that was a fucking dive. Yeah. The physics are all wrong here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think to, to get it out of the game, it all has to be you know retroactively done. But in the in the game itself, if you're gonna get stretchered off, you know, you should have to either be subbed out of the game mm-hmm. or you have to sit on the sideline for like eight to ten minutes or something. That would like think of think of what kind the of like ma- a makeshift sin bin. Yeah, think of. Right. Yeah, like, in terms of hockey, it'd be like a penalty almost, yeah. right? So think of how many managers would be against that. Okay, uh, you're going to go and get carried off, and we're going to go down to 10 men for 10 minutes? No. I'm if sorry, your team yeah. gets scored on, yeah. guess who's not fucking playing the next match? Yeah. Well, it can also... And I, th- I think what about goes, in, in 2006, there were... There were pitchers from the Italian training camp, like Capello, like, showing his... Oh no, not Capello. Who was in? Uh, was it Lippy? Yeah, uh, he he was teaching his players how to dive, yeah. and, and they were practicing diving. I thought that was just a viral video. <laughs> yeah, so did I. <laughs> I doubt. <it>. Either way. <laughs> Either or, like I mean, it, it just it, it it it. I I can't stay like, and you would you would have people. I mean, I get in heated debates about this all the time, and I mean you. Never really saw the, the the prevalence of diving until like I don't know what maybe the last twenty years of football. It, maybe even that's a far stretch. But I mean, um, what it has like kind of morphed into today is just absolutely disgusting. And I have been in some heated debates where people say that is a part of the game. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is we're not debating if fucking hockey should be, or fighting should be taken out of hockey. Okay, we're debating if fucking diving should be taken out of football oh, here, shit. and it's not a fucking part of the game. Are you fucking kidding me here? God, I fucking know. And I, I think now you're seeing, you know, with with uh, with all the imports in England, now you're seeing the English players coming out trying to dive. Yeah, like yeah. Rooney. And they, and they oh, don't is have, Rooney not the they, worst diver you've ever seen? Yeah. Gareth Bale. They don't have the pedigree for diving, so let's not even bother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but are are they not two of the worst divers you've ever seen? I think Ashley Young is the worst diver. Like he just. Ah, oh, he's. And actually, I'll give credit to Moyes there for calling him out on it. Yeah, yeah. So that that's one credit. I'll like I'm going. sorry. Like uh, th- th- that was like why I still always have a respect for the English uh, national team 
Um, yeah, there's a story rivalry between them and Germany, but I swear those were the last two teams that actually played tough-nosed football. Right. Hard challenges. They wouldn't fucking dive. And now, I mean, fucking look at fucking Mueller. Okay, I mean, like, I mean, one of my favorite players, but, I mean, his embellishments are ridiculous. Um, you know, and, I mean, anytime I see a player that I like, I, I'm not going to fucking jump to their defense. Are you kidding me? I'm screaming at them to get up because I get secondhand embarrassment from fucking witnessing that. I will not support that ever. Okay, even if it's fucking a, a dive in the box at the injury time in the World Cup, okay, I still will not support that. Right. For the hand of God. <laughs> We're kind of slowly, slowly developing a really special segment on this show. And I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but it's something like the world of Jose or something. We've got a soundbite here from last week. So the same way I tried to be honest with Juan and say that he's going to play tomorrow because of what he did in train and because of what he did in, in the last matches he played. With Kevin is the same. Uh, he's not selected because I didn't like the, the, the match he played against Swindon and I didn't like the way he was training. But you have this tendency, you only ask about the guys that are not selected. See you tomorrow. Thank you. Sure. Oh. Well, that was mature. <laughs> he, he just, he comes off as just a big baby. It's... It's actually funny to watch because how much does he give us to talk about? Every week it's a new thing with this guy. I mean, like you said, we, we are slowly developing a segment just purely based on Mourinho. And I'm sure if, you know, if given time, uh, we could cover, cover him an hour every week. <laughs> well, okay, what else came up this week? He said that he is... Uh... The best coach from Madrid, uh, the best Real Madrid coach ever. And that, what is he going on to base that sort of uh, uh, claim? Well, he beat Pep one time in the league. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even in, like, uh, you know, shuffling through some of the stats here, he doesn't even have, I think, top five winning percentages as as uh, head coach in, um, in Real Madrid. Actually, who do you have here? Vincent Del Bosque, 100%. But I guess uh, he only coached one game. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, come on! Like he, like what? What did he? Uh, you know, did he? Did he win a Champs League? Uh, let me let, nope. let me ask a question now. It seems with the emergence of the Champions League, has winning your domestic league has that kind of taken a sec like a you know, second fiddle? Yeah, like a backseat kind of thing, you know? Because you know, it's in in. Let's be honest, in. In Spain, you're really only dealing with Barcelona. Forget the the emergence of of Atletico Madrid this year, but it's been what twelve years since a, a different team won the. I think it was actually um, Benitez coaching what yeah, Valencia. Valencia. Yeah, they won back a few in, in a row. Yeah, so wh- what other league has had that type of drought that they haven't had a third winner in twelve years? Yeah. I know. So, I think you bring up a good point here. Does the Champions League, you know, play, or I mean, does your domestic league or any other cup play second fiddle to the Champions League? And I, I think that is the ultimate measure of success. Um, if I were to take, uh, say, Bayern Munich, for example, 
they they won um, Champions League, the DFB Pokal, the um, their their own domestic league. I could give a flying fuck if they won the Pokal in their domestic league this year. I would want them if there was anyone that I could pick. I'd want them to win the Champions League. I think that it is one thing to to strive to win for that, but I, you look at you look at a club like Arsenal. Their their fucking like motto is basically let's just get in the Champions League. Right. So like they're they're, they're not even looking to try and not even trying to win their league. So that's one thing. If you had the ambition to try and win the league or at least be up there for the fight, that's one thing. But like you got clubs like that where they're just like we just kind of got to get in there and then maybe we'll make some money and get somewhat. Oh, well, you brought up a good point. Uh, it, it's all about the money, right? right. So which generates the, the most money? The Champions League. So that's what each team is going to strive to do the best in because the further you go in the Champions League, the more money you make. And also that's why Arsenal you know, strive to get in the Champions League every year because it's at least guaranteed $20 million for them if they get out of the group. So... You're right. And I mean, it is... Uh, at, 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 to, to add to Justin's point too, it's just like... Just getting into the Champions League, yeah, okay, you are guaranteed a, a, a chunk of money there, but do they really think that they have a chance to win the Champions League? Right. At the end of the day, what do the supporters care about? You finished fourth and you got to the Champions League? Yeah, got to the group stages? What is some fucking silverware? That's yeah, why we put money. Right. That's why we, why we strive for this team. But segueing from this, Art, play the theme music. This is the Win 4 0. Wow. Moving on. <laughs> Next topic. Schalke, top of the group. Yeah. It's uh, it, kind of surprising a little bit. Oh. Well, the, the game they played against Basel, um, it, it was, you know, they played good in the first half. The second half, they, they weren't really anything special. But the only highlight of the, of the game was Julian Draxler's. Wonder strike from probably 20 yards out. That was a hell of a shot. Oh, brilliant. Beautiful. Beautiful strike. So, I, I think, um, you know, Schalke's, obviously they're not on Bayern and Dortmund's level right now domestically. But, you know, they're, they're still a decent German team. They've got some big names. And so, they, they took points from the games that they need to take points. Now, if they can get... You know, two or three points from Chelsea. I think that'll be a success for them. You know, and they, they just want to qualify from the group. Actually, I did enjoy watching Schalke play a couple years ago when Raul was there. And who the hell's the midfielder? I forget his name off the top, off the top of my head. Oh, oh, black guy. Oh, Farfan. Farfan, yeah, Farfan. I loved watching him play. I, I really like that Schalke team. I haven't seen much of them lately. Just well, they were actually really good in the Champions League last year when uh, Afalai came over from Barcelona on loan. And uh, when they went into into the Emirates and uh, beat Arsenal 2-0, that was that was a great game. They they really ran out. 
ran out with it. And Huntelar, he's still injured, isn't yeah, he? He's still on the shelf. Yeah. So we, we did talk about this last week. The, the, the one, one of the big games that we were looking forward to in the Champions League was Arsenal-Napoli. Uh, to me, I, I, I was like, yeah, Napoli's probably going to win this. Clearly, I was wrong. Uh, watching that, because this was probably one of the, the first big tests Arsenal have had this season, does this kind of set them up to be legitimate contenders? Well, I, I, was, I, I really wanted to pay close attention to this game because seeing what Napoli did to, to Dortmund mm-hmm. you know, a couple weeks earlier in the Champions League, uh, leaving with a very big win, I, like you said earlier, I, I really thought that this was going to be the test. Let's see what, what the new Arsenal, you know, Mezzaduzil, what, what they're going to do with him now that they've... Because in, in the Prem, they didn't really play, play a big team yet, right? Mm. And so I, I was very interested to see how they were going to fare against a really good Napoli team. And, you know, was it 2-0, two, two 17 minutes into the game or something yeah. like that? I, I can uh, truthfully say I do think they are legitimate contender. I mean, I know I made a comment last week uh, on last week's segment which stated that, you know, I had Napoli as my dark horses to, to, to go the furthest and, and challenge for a Champions League title. Um, and I was I looking forward to see the, um, you know, the, the, the now Uzil era in, in Arsenal and, and see what they, uh, you know, when they're put to the test with what I feel like is a top quality side in Europe. And, you know, they have me now questioning Napoli and, and choosing them as my dark horses. Um, however, like that beautiful game, I mean, they picked them apart. Uzil's goal, let's talk about that one. What a fucking goal that was. The, the technique to be able to strike that coming across his body and to still add on to that English to still whip away from the ball. I watched that class goal. three or four times. I was, I'm looking at his body shape. I'm yeah. just like, how? To open up how to that. You know that? how hard it is to hit that ball? What about you? Could you hit that with your left? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, let's, not just that, but you saw the, uh, the second goal that he created was... You know, a quick little turnover, uh, faked out the one defender, blew right by him, and then just split the ball right to Giroud between two defenders and, you know, top corner, and Arsenal's just dancing, you know, just dancing fucking, that victory. He is sneaky fast, too. Holy shit, man. And I know, Justin and Anthony, you guys aren't going to like me saying this, but Arsenal is coming. It is looking like they're one of the – they are a fun team to watch. Actually, I, I messaged uh, our buddy Pushemik yesterday. And him and I have ongoing bets yeah. with Liverpool and Arsenal. So I just said to him, like, hey, man, I know we got, we got, a, we got a, a shirt, like a, a jersey uh, on this season. I'm like, the way things are looking, you want to make the, the bet extra tasty? And if one of our teams win the league, uh, yeah. we're still trying to decide what that will be. But, um, but moving on, Dortmund uh, just completely walked all over Marseille. Yeah, it was... I think with that game, it was just like, it almost looked like Dortmund was playing at half half speed as the game progressed. They, they just created chance after chance on Will. And uh, it, it ended up being a comfortable result for them. I think it could have been even four or five. But I, I don't think Marseille is really... Well, they're not who they were a few years ago, like, as far as I can tell. Well, I think Dortmund also had revenge on their mind from uh, two years ago when they yeah. made it back to the Champions League. You know, Marseille, Marseille embarrassed, them. embarrassed them. 
You were in Germany for that one, actually. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I remember watching that game. And Dortmund was all over them then. And it was just... Marseille did the Dortmund to them. They just countered and they scored. I think it was 2 or 3 nil. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but like the only thing Marseille can kind of take away from anything of this is that they're lucky to be even associated with a group that has been dubbed the group of death. Um, honestly, they're just embarrassed. What I'm looking forward to, though, is, um, is Dortmund versus Arsenal. As I alluded to earlier, I think Arsenal has become one of the most you know, um, interesting and, and, and oh, fun team to watch. And I have been saying that about Dortmund um, for the last three years, that I think they're, they're one of the, the, the best teams to watch, and most exciting team to watch as well. So uh, I'm really excited to, uh, to, to look at, um, to see that match. Hopefully, you know, every, um, uh, no clubs not, um, dealing with some serious knocks there. Mm-hmm. Are Barcelona a one-man team? <laughs> well, a one-man up team, you could say. I was watching something. I was watching this game, and the only thing I could think of is they are a boring team to watch. And they, they seem to be out of ideas. Like without Messi, they're just kind of they're they're not creating anything. It's they're they're looking for that one man on the pitch. Right. You know, when when they have these world class players everywhere. So. I actually thought that Celtic had the better of the chances. But the, the Celtic keeper, he was also brilliant. Just He made four or five just world-class saves. And uh, when, they, when they won, when they beat Barcelona last year, he was the main reason why they did it. Surprise, surprise. Oh. AC Milan get a penalty. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm speechless by, by this. Like... Fucking it is one of the ridiculous. Worst, one of the worst calls I've seen in a long time. Can we get that on the screen? <laughs> Holy fuck. I cannot believe that that was called. <laughs> <laughs> now, whose was worse? That one or Pepe bringing the defender down and he got a penalty for it? You know the game I'm talking about? I think they, they salvaged a result against Elche. Yeah. It's just, ah. I would honestly like to see penalty. I like. I, I know we don't want to slow down the game and whatnot, but these are crucial decisions that, you, you know, that result knocked Ajax out of the Champions League yeah. right there. So you saying we can't take an extra 10, 20 seconds for someone to go look at it and be like, nah, that's not a penalty. On a penalty decision? I, I, I feel like there might be some merit in that because... It, I'm, I'm glad they finally said, oh, yeah, we can use uh, actual, like, video systems for goal line technology. Yeah. But, yeah, I think in crucial decisions like that, if you're going to call a penalty, be 100% fucking sure that that's a penalty. Well, let me ask you something. What does the fourth official do? I've never seen them make one decision. He, he wanders around by the net and waves a stick. Yeah. <laughs> waves, yeah. waves a wand. Yeah. And uh, Some... can I see that again? <laughs> uh, I'm not going Fucking terrible. Um, probably one of, the, one of the best built set pieces I, I've seen in quite a while. In fact, you do see good set pieces, but very rarely do they come off and, and, and executed to such precision. That, that set piece of Atletico was beautiful to watch. Yeah, you couldn't have choreographed a better set piece or even executed it for that matter. And, I mean, I'm actually surprised that we don't see more 
attempts at set pieces. It's almost like if you're, you know, 20, 30, 30 yards away, there is somebody who's going to have that shot. Mm -hmm. And it almost opens the door where the opposing team knows that. Yeah, so they're focused on putting this wall together and maybe do a little bit of man-on-man coverage, but everybody's anticipating that shot. I would like to see, because I love the masterpiece of... Uh, or, or I, I love watching a beautiful set piece, even if they don't work. Just the intent, yeah, and seeing, seeing it, seeing it just the, it, it lets the, your, the it lets your yeah, exactly, and you know it. it I, I nice think I think we're in the era of the free kick taker, right? Yeah, and so you know, you know Ronaldo's not going to get his props for passing the ball to someone else and letting them walk it over the line. You know, he's paid to you know miss the net from 30 yards it's but but you're right in what you said i i love the set piece it was awesome it it caught the team off guard like no tomorrow right because what 99 percent of set pieces probably even higher than that 99.9 percent of set pieces within 30 yards are all you know, either it's hit might as well be wall. a fucking penalty shot. Well, it, like it's, it's, it's going to be a strike. You you look you look at it to, to steal an American football term. Most most uh, free kicks are fucking hail marys. You're just lobbing the ball in and hoping somebody gets on the end of it. Yeah. Like I, I would love to see a, a stat on a conversion rate from Ronaldo or from you know a great free kick taker. And, and what might they be at five percent, if that? I fu- and I can't fucking stand his pre. Free kick routine. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? Well, the fact that they build it in a fucking FIFA too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, a, like a stance. Yeah. Really. Fuck off, man. Um, Pep, loving some lamb. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got the quote here. I'm not too sure if we'll get the, the sound bite because it isn't Deutsch. Anyways, <clears throat> Guardiola on Lam says. If I told him tomorrow he has to play at center forward, he'd be one of the best in Europe. <laughs> I think to even expand on, on, uh, on Pep's quotes towards Lom, he says that he is the most intelligent player he has ever coached. Considering but he's, the, the players he's coached... He's coached Poyo. <laughs> the caveman? <laughs> No, but um, again, I think that that you know I'm not gonna take that out of context and gonna take it for what it is. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, but uh, in terms oh, of one of the, the most intelligent players, mm-hmm. um, I can definitely um, see where he he does get that from. Um, you know, again, trying to be as impartial as as can be. You watch Philip Lom play. Um, well, you know, whether he's at, he's at his normal, you know, right back uh, position, um, and you do, you do see he how, how his foot his footy IQ does supersede that of his, uh, you know, his own team as well as the opposition. And I mean, to touch on that game, this has been the game that I've been waiting for all year from Bayern Munich. Um, you know, and this is actually the first game where Philip Lom actually had some sort of impact. In that role, playing above the the the, the defense and, and behind the, uh, the the midfield, so, it, was, it was interesting seeing him playing that holding role against City. Yeah, it, it worked very very well. So, so yeah, are you saying that he would not be a classic nine relic in the box, winning every header? 
What, fucking Luca Tony or something? <laughs> well, you know the Germans in their aerial assault. You know, I mean, they, they are... He probably has a five-foot um, five leap. But, you know, do, do I like him in that role? Um, I would like to think that he's more so... He, he's in that role due to, due to the injuries to Thiago and, um, and Martinez. Um, I fucking absolutely loathe Rafinha. I don't fucking like that guy at all. Um, and I was I think surprised that he was white, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, uh, if Pep does keep, keep having and showing his faith in Rafinha that, you know, he's going to be burned from it. And I think, um, you know, part of the goal against, um, against Bayard in Leverkusen was, uh, was a little bit of Rafinha's fault. Majority Neuer's, but, uh, again, Rafinha's position could have been a lot better, but, um. I don't know if you want to keep talking about that game, but uh, that was quite a quite the game. I mean, we you have Man City, who you know I've heard many commentators, many pundits state that they have the deepest midfield in all of Europe. Mm-hmm. Where and the fuck were they? No shit. And Gary Neville actually went on to say that uh, Pellegrini. This, it's an interesting thing to say, but he says if he was an English manager, we'd say he was tactically naive. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful quote, and I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, my, you know, my brother and I, we, uh, we always talk Bundesliga throughout the week, and I mean, he's, he made a good point stating, you know, Yaya Toure is considered one of the best box-to-box midfielders. I did not even know he was on that field. No. Um, that was just a, a crazy, you know, an amazing display from Bayern, but I mean, again, you're, what I'm starting to see, I expected a, a, a closer checking type of game, okay, um, but again, Man City, they're not impressing me in the champions, this is three years in a row. Yeah, they, they just, they can't get over that hurdle, they, and, I, and I noticed something, I think I was, I was watching the clock, I think around the, the last 10 minutes of the first half, try as they might, Man City could not get that ball to cross the half. No. Bayern would keep winning it back and keep forcing the attack back. The, how they retained and got it when they lost possession, it was, it was just, a, that's, uh, that's patented Pep Guardiola right there. Um, yeah, that, that was, like, what I admired the most about uh, those Barcelona teams he coached was it wasn't that they're how they were on the ball. It was how they were off the ball. And because his tiki-taka, you know, close-quarter passing, mm-hmm. you know, he, he really based on his triangles, right? Yeah. He, he wanted all of his players to have triangles to pass to, right? And so if a pass goes, you know, goes missing, you know, into the other, you know, the other team intercepts a pass, there's three players closing that player down within about three meters. Yeah. And forcing them into a bad pass, thus Returning retaining possession. the ball back. And that's why you see uh, they had, what, 65, 70% possession in that game. They, they outpassed them, outpassed City three to one. I remember. So has Tiki Taka arrived? <laughs> uh, arrived in Bavaria. What's, what's, the, what's the German word for tiki taka? Flopping. I remember. tiki taka. tiki taka. But if I was a Man City fan, I would be absolutely disgusted with my team. Though I mean, it is one thing to get broken down, you know, by a team. But I mean, I'm talking about like. They had about 30 minutes to go still, and they were just dejected. And it was fucking, it was, it was mind-blowing. 
Well, yeah, especially the first 70, 80 minutes, I think we played some terrific football and um, yeah, we were so dominant and uh, against such a, such a big team in Europe. Uh, I think we also didn't expect an uh, easy game like that, and, uh, but I think it's a big compliment to our team. Um, of course, uh, what I said, I also expected a little bit more from City, but um, yeah, we, we can be happy and yeah, if you play such a football, I mean, then yeah, you can only enjoy. I didn't see a tweet. Oh, you didn't see it? No. No, Man City uh, had like 90 minutes on another... The official uh, Twitter, yeah, Man City. The official Twitter. Football club. Claiming that on another day they might have nicked this. And I was thinking, was this a reference in their last game against QPR a couple years ago where they managed to win it in, 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 um, in extra time to win right. the league, right? Um However, you know, not to take so much away from Man City, Joe Hart played deplorable. Joe Hart was god-awful in that game. Negredo's goal was phenomenal. Oh, fuck uh, it. That was so such a good nice. goal. And it, there was some nervous times for Bayern there. Like, you know, it looked like Man City actually started to sh- show some life. Um, well, well Ribery's open, er, yeah, Ribery's opening goal. Yeah. What the fuck was that? Yeah, Yay, England. Which, which forced uh, a nice comment from a German commentary, where uh, obviously the soundbite won't mean anything unless we have some German <laughs> listeners, so I'll translate. Uh, they said, Joe Hart is the best English goalkeeper. But hey, he's still an English goalkeeper. <laughs> I'm going to go cry for a while. <laughs> and I mean, there's, there's great views of Joe Hart just standing in his box, hands on his hip, with the Bayern fans behind him doing the pause man. Yeah, the, there's that one, that one frame that looks fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, here, here's a, an interesting thought. Seeing how Bayern is playing, seeing how dominant they're becoming, where would they fit in the Premier League? Well, I think they would have uh, difficult away nights at Stoke. <laughs> Honestly, like, again, it, 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 it's hard. I try to be impartial when talking about the club that I support, you know, and saying they'll go 32-0, and I do not think they would. 38. Or 38-0, and whatever the fuck it is. But, I mean... I would say that they would probably convincingly win the the league. I think they they they, they would probably be, maybe suffer a couple losses and it, there would be a few draws. But I really do think they are. Well, it, it's it's hard to say they wouldn't wouldn't win the league after such a dominating performance right. away from home. Mm-hmm. You you know you go into you know you go to play a big team from another country. You're supposed to be satisfied going in there for a draw, not just completely humiliating them, no. running them off the pitch. So th- that, that's why it's hard to say that, you know what, they wouldn't run away with the BPL or maybe any league for that matter after seeing what they did to Barcelona last year. I'm glad you brought up that hypothetical, though, Justin, because, uh, you know, what I would ultimately like to see as maybe a sort of a, of a project um, is an actual Champions League all year round. So you pick the best squads out of the top European countries, okay? Obviously, you need to think of some sort of um, 
uh, you'd have to have some sort of delta or barometer to, to measure the quality of teams. I wouldn't think a Celtic would be in it right. or, or anything like that, but you'd probably be looking at maybe picking six teams from the EPL. you got to go by FIFA star rankings. Picking, si- picking six teams from the Bundesliga, picking probably four teams from the Liga, and you know then you're going to have maybe your other teams in there and actually then play in each other two, Actually, four times. Play a table. Play a table, yeah. right. You know, and... Uh, um, can you imagine, like, every week you have, you know, Barcelona versus Dortmund, Bayern versus Man United, uh, you know, Juventus like versus... Away here, you know? Yeah, 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 Juventus <laughs> versus Liverpool. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like, it, this will be... Um, I don't know. I, I think that it'd be something... That, will it ever happen? Probably not. Champions League would make well, more Well, hey, who knows with the financial the, the fair play only- stuff, that it ever comes down to, like... They don't want to stop spending money. Couldn't see something. Yeah. The only thing that, if if anything came down to that, domestic Fucking leagues would collapse. Sucks, Joe Hart. <laughs> <laughs> domestic leagues would just collapse, right? Because you look in any league, and when you know when a big team is coming to your stadium, you know, and, and say you know you're a smaller team. You sell the fuck out that day. You sell out that day, yeah. you know? So you, you miss that, that ticket gate. And as you pointed out, in England, that ticket gate's pretty fucking big. Mm. So, I, I personally, I'd love to see it. Just because I don't support a small club in, you know, some fucking country. So, it, it would fucking be... Fucking pompous asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, would be, it would be awesome to see, but the ramifications to the domestic league, they would just... They would cease to exist. Turn yeah. the SPL almost. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm going to go off for a second. Because this kind of shit makes me live it. David Moyes says United will aim to win the Champions League. Okay. What the fuck else are you supposed to say in this situation right. when you're the manager of Manchester United, the, the reigning champions of England? Like, okay, you're going you're to say, oh, hey, guys, yeah, we're going to go uh, uh, try and draw all of our games. So yeah. maybe we can win some, some Premier League games. But on top of that, you're not going to fucking win, okay? So, should... I don't know. He seems like he's desperately trying hard to find a silver lining, yet coming up with a rusty Fergie. You know? Like, I just... But, uh, you know, you're put right. That, they, uh, put that in an Urban Dictionary. And see <laughs> a rusty Fergie. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. That, that's, uh, you're right. What, what else is he supposed to say? Um, although he doesn't seem like he's a stranger to, you know, challenging or taking on his players or for, you know, um, maybe throwing him under the bus for, for, you know, doing something that, um, you know, me doesn't agree with. However, I don't think they, that, that they're going to even be able to hold the candle in the Champions League. Well, and the best way to follow up that, that statement is to go and uh, draw in Donetsk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This team is just a fucking... You know, to, uh, to be fair, on last week's pod, I was saying that they, they don't get a result at all. And uh, a 1-1 draw in Donetsk, I think that's a result given their current form. For them, yeah. Currently, yeah. I, I, so, good point. And, I, I yeah, think that, I don't that, think, uh, actually, somebody can fact check this, but I don't think any English team has won 
ever in Donetsk. No, they, they humiliated Chelsea last year, didn't they? Fact check that because I'm pretty positive. And how many appearances? I don't I don't have that figure on my off. My well, I do head, know Chelsea was the only Champions League winner to not make it out of the group stage, and they were in a group with Donetsk. But yeah, no 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 English team has won in Donetsk. Even the English national team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, segueing from United out of the Champions League and the Premiership. United, uh, I know I was hoping that they were going to lose to Sunderland. Started laughing my ass off that within the fifth minute, Phil Jones handed the ball to Gardner to to put Sunderland ahead 1-0. I thought for sure this would be wrapped up. But then, the skies open. And Adnan Yedizai steps up and scores a brace. He is now the greatest player in the history of the world. And England wants to sign him. Eight other, or England wants to bring him up. Eight other countries want to bring him up. He is the fucking next... Cantona, Messi, Zidane, everything ever invented. Well, of course, any country he stepped foot in. Oh, yeah, sure, we, we raised him. He's, we, a, he's a citizen. Can we just calm the fuck down for a second? The right. The 18-year-old kid scores a brace. There are two welting goals, but let's just... And let's not forget against the fucking worst, worst fucking team, team in the league. <laughs> who have a, an interim manager. Like, right. come on. Fuck. I see another segment breaking up here. How great would that have been, What the fuck is it with the fuck with managers and their surnames that start with M? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I did say last weekend, or last week, we were kind of going through the the big games of the weekend because there weren't really any to watch. But I did say that Liverpool needed to beat Crystal Palace because Arsenal would probably beat West Brom and Tottenham would probably beat West Ham. Well, I couldn't have been any more fucking wrong. And that's why you don't gamble, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal held by West Brom. There's actually some interesting news coming out of West Brom. Uh, our, our little buddy, 850 pound a week, Saito Berahino, is being trekked by Chelsea all of a sudden. Oh, wow. Yeah. You don't say. Because, you know, he's, he scored one goal, but Lukaku isn't good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep going back on that all year. Wow, Lukaku, he's something special, man. He's incredible. We're, we'll get to him in a second. I do wish Anthony was here. I'm almost, I'm almost wondering if he's not showing up because Tottenham were humiliated 3-0 by West Ham. He's trying to wow. save face. Sorry, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. Didn't happen. You won't escape you. that easily. <laughs> but, yeah, what what happened there? I, I fuck, I, I don't know. I, 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 watched, I watched a bit of the game, and I watched it again on match of the day, and it just... Uh, you West know, I, I think it well. could have been a slight arrogance from AVB. You know, just just looking at his lineup and I mean, his he, well he, manicured he, beard. Yeah, he, he had Defoe starting, and you you look at his his lineup on Thursday in the Europa League, and it was a starting lineup. Right. For a team like Tottenham, they need to get out of the the Europa League. They Indeed. need to not qualify. They they need to get get knocked out. If you have aspirations to go in the Champions League. And to win the Premier League, which, you know, we, we've talked about them. And I think they have a deep enough and strong enough squad to do it. You need to get out of the Europa League because let's, let, let's be honest. Is the Europa League really that great to win? Or if you're fucking playing the Europa League, play your fucking B-side. Yeah. Yeah. You, you look at the distance that some of these teams have to travel in the Europa League. Like you're, you're talking about some long flights. Yeah. Well, I, I can agree, though. And you're playing you on a Thursday. Have, yeah. Two days before you're, you're supposed to play in the league. I, they should just really follow the Liverpool model and uh, 
It's not qualifier for real opening. <laughs> but I agree. You sign $100 million worth of players. To, to win the Europa League? Is, yeah, is there really is that anything? anything? You know, uh, winning the Europa League would be good for a team like Fulham. Yeah. You know, or a good for, you know, these teams from, you know, Switzerland and, you know. Or if the champion of Europa League was automatically placed into the Champions League for next year, which would actually make some sense. There'd be some actually, you know, reason to fucking compete and win it, not just like, hey, yeah, we won a trophy. You're right. Does, does winning the Europa League hold any sort of weight? No. Like, it's no. like being, like, given a pat on the back by a war amp. Well, like, uh, I, <laughs> Platini wanted to make the the Champions League from 32 teams to 64. And you look at it, and there's not even 32 good teams. No. I think the Champions League is diluted enough. It's too watered down right now. Like, what what was the the worst, what, Chelsea against Bucharest? Like, are you kidding me? Like, does Bucharest even have a player that makes, you know, $250,000 a year? No. Probably not. I'm talking out of my ass on that one, but I would just assume that, you know, they don't have the financial might to to even hang with mid Premier League teams. We look back when it was when it was the European Cup. That that was the Champions League. It was like the best teams from each country. Now it's like, you know, this country gets four, this country gets three. This it's it's it is yeah, it, it's too it, watered it down. It used to be a Champions League. Yeah. You had to win your league to play in there. Yeah. Now it's ah, you can finish fourth. You can qualify. England's had a, a few uh, in, uh, incarnations of SAS. Had uh, Shearer and Sutton of Blackburn, Shearer and Sheringham for England, and Suarez and Sturridge keep on pumping in the goals. I feel like you want to talk about this more than I do, so I'll, <laughs> I'll get the floor to you. I, I just I saw a stat the other day. They played nine games together. Um, now they've actually it'll be ten games now. They've scored fourteen goals, and there are also eight assists between the two of them. And even their um, individual stats, nineteen, are pretty impressive. Nineteen too. goals in twenty-two game or twenty-one games. Sorry, twenty. Nineteen goals in twenty-one games for Sturridge or for Suarez, and nineteen goals in twenty-five games for Sturridge. Well, not like everything's always going to come back to Mourinho or even Chelsea, because this wasn't part of Mourinho's doing. But didn't Chelsea get rid of Sturridge? Yeah. He, he was, Aren't they looking for players that can score? <laughs> yeah, but they, they score from their midfield, so they don't really use Okay, strikers, yeah, they, so. they, they have Lampard potting in the goals, but I don't <laughs> want to get on Chelsea anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it, it looks like it has all the makings to be, you know, the, the, one, the best punch. one-two punch in the Premier this year. Um, and... You know, I think they could probably carry them to Champions League qualification because you, you see the other teams stumbling, uh, mainly Man United. Man United you know, they, they've, they've built themselves a deep hole to get out of. You know, teams are already starting to take off. Yeah. You know, and what Tottenham and Chelsea and uh, City were, were the, the, the teams at the top gaining results this weekend. Arsenal and Tottenham dropping points. So anytime you have a. You know, you could be down one goal. Having a, a one-two punch like that, you're never, you're you're always in the game. So, and you watch their movement, their their interconnectivity, just like these fantastic little passes, and they know where each other are going to be at all times. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking awesome to see. It, it's something you can't really teach between 
between players. Either they have it together or they don't have yeah. it. Yeah, and it, it seems very natural to them. They, they just seem to understand each other's yeah, game. Yeah, it's, it's an innate chemistry that they're showing. Again, I want to see them play together more. Yeah. Well, obviously, before we can, um, you know, draw any sort of comparisons. Um, but I mean, they're 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 well on their way. Again, I want to see I want to see them play um, against some more more of the upper echelon type of teams too. And I wish honestly they were in Champions League this year, so we can kind of you know get a real uh, uh, you know put them to the test and see what they can do against some you know some formidable opponents, which there are in the. Um, in, in the Premier League, it says who do they get? Who do they have this week? Or is it internationals? Yeah, internationals. internationals. Well, I, I, the biggest thing, though, with uh, you know, w- when a team isn't playing in Europe and they just have their domestic competitions, to focus, it, focus, and you know the the depth, the depth. Yeah. It's you know you don't need a deep squad to just compete on one competition. That's why a lot of the a, a lot of the years you can see, uh, for example. Um, when when Dortmund had their uh, they they won the league, then they went in the Champions League the next year, and they, they were knocked out in the group stage, and then they after a poor start to the season, as soon as they were knocked out of the Champions League, they went on the on this huge unbeaten run, won the league, you know. So a, a lot of teams don't have the depth yet to compete on all three fronts because it takes it takes just a it takes a massive and, and incredibly gifted squad yeah. to do that. Because you need to be able to, like like what AVB was doing, you need to be able to play your B squad to beat, you know, the lower league team. A squads. Right? The lower league A squads. Yeah. 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 I'm actually kind of, in a way, I'm actually kind of glad that we got knocked out of the League Cup because that means we have nothing but focus on Premiership until Christmas, and then New Year we have FA Cup. So, you know, right now it's, it's nice to see... Right now, we're separated with, with Arsenal at the top of the table by on goal differential. To, yeah. to quote Anthony from last week, it's just a league cup. Like, let's be honest. Who really yeah. cares? There's a shout out to you, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Germany, we saw the Battle of Borussia. Nine, I don't know. It's Germany. There's probably some sort of electronic music somewhere in that game. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely get some for the record. I mean, you know, if, if Anthony was here, this would be his shot of, uh, you know, take some digs at, uh, at Gus over here. Yeah. <laughs> the mighty uh, Dortmund have fallen. Uh, it's, I, I feel like I was saying this last week about the, the 1860 München game, where it's just not taking your chances. Um, the shots were 27 to 6. Jesus Christ. And, you know, it, it comes to the point where, yeah, there's no excuse for, you know, not putting the not putting the ball away. You know, that's just, it. you know, it can't be called bad luck every single time. I, I will say uh, Tier Stegen for Gladbach was just world class. I mean, he, he kept that ball out. Like, I haven't seen a goal, like a goalkeeping performance since, you know, Oliver Kahn in 2002. Clinton Kahn! Like as as I was looking, the the penalty call was you know it could be just you know uh, I think it was you know Hummels kind of made contact simultaneously with the player as well as the ball, you know thus leading to you know Max Cruza slotting the ball away and Dortmund down to ten men, but still you know Dortmund didn't didn't just didn't just collapse you know they they were still attacking. And uh, you know, Marco Royce came down, hit hit the bar, 
only for a counterattack by Gladbach and Raphael, you know, seals the game 2-0. You know, you can't win them all. I'm sorry, but, like, it's, uh... Can't win them all. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that penalty shot, um, was it warranted or not? I, would, I wanted to see it from different angles. Um, but yeah, but they didn't. Re- they replayed they, it. They once. didn't replay. Yeah, and only from one angle. And I mean, you saw like more of like you know he had he grabbed the sand wedge and ripped a nice beaver tail out of the grass. But I mean, <laughs> it was um, all, all props to young Max Cruza. Like I mean, he slotted that away with some composure. And I mean, possibly one of the best names in, in all of football, as the Americans refer to him as Max Cruz. Um, but uh, <laughs> he is. Uh, uh, he will be. He will. will be excited to to watch on the on the national level. Um, but well, you're right, Terstagen. Like his, uh, I haven't seen a display in, in, in goal like that uh, in a while. And I mean, even when Royce had that late free kick that it went off the bar, he would have saved it. Top shelf. He would have fucking saved it. Um, but again, you're right. I mean, there are some games when you just got that feeling where no matter the where the pressure's coming from or how much of it of of pressure is being applied, they're just not going to score. I've witnessed a million times the Toronto Maple Leafs. Sorry to go, kind of go to hockey there, but you well, know. Didn't you went, witness it again. Top with the table back up to the Bayern. Yeah. The wrecking my stuff. I mean, you know, I w- I've been excited for this game for a long time, especially seeing how Leverkusen has been playing all season. Um, did I think that it was going to be an easy three points? Um, obviously, the scoreboard indicated something else and, and whatnot. But, uh, again, I mean, not to, to take anything away from, from Neverkusen, but, you know, again, they, 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 were, they were completely outclassed. This was just a matter of, honestly, capitalizing on a huge manual Neuer air. And to me, I'm going to talk about that more than, you know, Ribery, Bernardino, Tali, all fucking all night down the left side um, and having, uh, you know, Bender come to, come to the rescue to contain him somewhat. But I'm going to talk about, you know, Manuel Neuer and what I think... Um, well, just, to, just to stop you there for one second, uh, they've always said a team is most vulnerable once they score. Or, sorry, mo- uh, most vulnerable to concede after they, they score. After they score. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, you couldn't see a better case in point than that as Leverkusen answered the bell right away. And I feel Neuer is the one that shouldered most of the blame. However, it was very lackluster, um, you know, defending from, from you know, Bayern mid, uh, midfield and defense. But, I mean, you know, again, this is just a classic case of Neuer getting bored. Yeah, I was wondering, was he in that or was he playing midfield? With oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just dreaming about playing striker in the third division, you know? But, I mean, this is just... And I've seen him do this on the international level. I've seen him do it in multiple games with Bayern where you're just like... You know, you're seeing just a ball cleared out from the, the defense and, you know, it's just... You're, you're, you're watching it on the screen, then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see this fucking flying green thing come out of left field, and it's Manuel Neuer. And, I mean, it's, I, I think it's a classic case of he, he's, he's just bored. And he's, he needs to stay active. And do you blame him? Yes, I blame him. <laughs> but at the same time, how do you keep yourself stimulated and intimately, like, 
engaged in the game when you're not being tested at you should all. Just start jerking off in that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've asked about, or you, you've touched on like a bit about you know a defensive blunder, and with Pep style, let's let's be honest about it. It's possession based. Mm-hmm. So, do you think he just his you know his idea of defense is you don't have to defend if if you have the ball. If, if you, that is ultimately if you, philosophy. Yeah. If you possess the ball 75 to 80% of the game, you only have to defend 20% of the game. Yeah. So why, you know, maybe, you know, in practice they're not talking about defense. You know, instead the majority of it, since they have possession, is to talk about offense and how, you know, we're going to break down. But I, I will admit... Uh, the first couple uh, first couple games of the season, uh, Bayern seemed to be lost under Pep. They didn't really have an identity. No, and now now they seem to have, you know, got the message. It's right. interesting to see to watch Bayern play now because they still do have that 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 counterattacking mentality, like that that culture. So there, but now to see the fact that they can keep possession and push so much higher up the pitch, and it, it's it's actually much more effective to actually counterattack. When you're pushed up higher, as opposed to counterattacking from back on your own end, because now you have all that pace and, 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 and speed and energy to do it that quickly and, and really turn over defenders and cause a lot of damage. Well, you saw a lot in the early games. They were just reverting back to their ways under Jupp Heynckes when, when the game wasn't going their way. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like, all right, yeah, uh, so, here, here's yeah, how we used to score. Goal, kind of. But uh, Pep does command a lot of their respect, and you, you do see that. It went with just kind of um, how the players react. And, I mean, this, this wasn't like, I mean, take the Super Cup, for example. They were more lost and, and immersed in the, the Pep Mourinho rivalry than the Chelsea-Bayern rivalry. Right. You know, this wasn't like, I didn't score this goal for Bayern, Ribéry. I scored this goal Pep. for Pep. Yeah. You know, so I and mean, then that, he got choked out on the sidelines. <laughs> you know, so I mean, that does speak oh, it speaks volumes about kind of the character that Pep has. But you're right, and I mean, to put, I don't know if you could draw some parallels with Moyes and Manchester United, and then maybe struggling to find their identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I mean, they're like fucking. You know, I don't know if they're transgender or what the fuck they are, but I mean, like they're they're really kind of lost in any sort of community you typecast them in, but. Um, it's at the end of the day, did they are they still getting results? You know, yes, they are. And I mean, to what my brother was saying earlier about uh, you know Pep's philosophy, it's just like he, he's just playing. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with it. You're just playing kind of the the uh, you're just kind of playing percentages. And I mean, Man City, if they did capitalize on Byron's mistakes, they would have. Kind of did uh, did to them what they did to Queen uh, to, to the Queens Park Rangers a couple years ago to win the league. Um, so you know, I hope that defending isn't going you know out the window due to that philosophy. But uh, well, one one thing I, w- I want to say about that was you know with the way Bayern played under under Heinkes was a completely different you know way that they're playing under Pep. So. They they already know how to adjust on the game, uh, which I think is a is a big strength. You can't play every single team the exact same way, right? You know, which, you need which, to show some sort of resilience. Which yeah. which Pep's 
Barcelona, that's that's all they knew, right? They they only knew how to play with eighty percent of the ball. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they can never really break quick. They're like, all right, well, it's not going to feel right if we don't pass the ball forty times before we score a goal. You know, the the whole team plus Valdez has to touch the ball before you know we're allowed to walk the ball over the line. So. You know, when, when it came time to, you know, we, we got to turn it up. We, you know, we got to counter. We've got to do this. It's, you know, Barcelona couldn't do it. But as you can see, Bayern, they, you know, they have more than one style of play. I almost wonder how much Arsenal was trying to be Barcelona during the, you know, the mid-2000s by walking the ball to the line and yeah. forgetting how to put it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was also wondering, too, whatever happened to the, uh, the Bayern, Bayern's second keeper that hit Pep in the face of the, the team photo shoot in the preseason. Did he get punted to Alaska? Right oh, there? <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't off himself on the Euro <laughs> rail. All right, moving on to the internationals. England looking to smoke some poles. Or smoke some fags. No homo phobia. I just kidding. Oh, you oh, fuck. fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Germany, um, they, they, they have to survive Ireland, and apparently I can't read because I put down they have to play Faroe Islands. And I was like, wow, you guys got a tricky week ahead of you. And uh, has Germany, they haven't qualified yet, have they? No, I think they need one point. Uh, one point to qualify. No, against Republic of Ireland, that could be difficult. Is uh, Keane coming to play? <laughs> Does he play for Northern Ireland? I, I, I don't know. It's all right. it's, yeah, it's hard to... The fuck cares? Give me a sober Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, but, oh, but the but the, at, but the atmosphere. Actually, is the game in Ireland or is it in Germany? Uh, either way, it doesn't it's matter. It's going to be on my TV. I know that much. So. <laughs> or no, either actually, way, it won't be this, on my TV. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they're, they're walking away with this uh, easy three points uh, against Ireland. Well, the, these games serve as one pers- one purpose, and that's just you know an instrumental side. You know, get, get Max Cruz has played has had two caps. I expect him to cut his teeth here and you know gain some more experience because you know closer he's thirty six now and he's injured. I, I don't yeah, and he's injured. I, I don't expect him to play any role in twenty fourteen. Also, Gomez is is injured. He has ligament uh, issues. And so he's going to be out for a while. And Yogi Love doesn't even like Gomez. And he definitely doesn't like Kiesling. So, you know, Max Cruz, uh, you know, he could be the, the striker. And, I mean, in, in, the, not, you know, in the recent uh, past, I mean, we've seen prominent injuries actually bode well for the German national team and actually be a blessing in disguise. I mean, my, uh, the Michael Ballard. Oh, oh yeah, Ballick, Michael yeah, Ballack, Ballick yeah. you know, I thought our World Cup hopes were done, but you know, suddenly, his injury you got you had the, pace in your team. Yeah, you got you got the re-emer- you, you got the emergence of Mesut Uzil. So you know, I like. I'm not happy with the manager. I'm not happy with Lowe at all. Um, you know, but I do want to see a little bit of um, you know, I want to see some youth, some young blood coming up and. You know, I even think Schweinsteiger's had his, you know, I mean, he's in the midst of his swan song. Well, I, I think there's, since the Euros, he's only had one or two Germany caps. So he's been pulling out with injuries, and I think he might not even play, uh, he, he has been recalled, 
But I, I don't. I think he's going to be. Be. Uh, I don't think he's going to be available to play these two games. What do you think about? You know, as you see uh, Pep kind of using Mueller in a false nine. What do you think Yogi thinks about that? I think it. You know, it gives. It gives Yogi a little more options to, to consider Mueller. Be, uh, to me, I think there's four players that need to be on this team. And I, it's quite controversial who I think should be there. But I think you need to find starting starting roles for Thomas Mueller, mm-hmm. Marco Royce, Ilkay Gundogan, and Lars Bender. To me... You need those four players. Obviously, you're going to have Lom in there. He's he's important to be in there as well. But I think those four players bring a lot to the table that that Yogi needs to find a spot for them in the lineup. But like, I'm not the man. The only thing in Yogi's mind is to Pep is just keep your hands off Lom. <laughs> <laughs> who, who knows? Maybe maybe he uh, you know maybe he gave. Yogi, uh, you know, a look at Lom in a number six position. And I mean, who you know who's impressed me too is um, from from Leverkusen, Sam. I mean, like that guy, he played a, a, f- a phenomenal game against Bayern. Um, however, do I think he's um, just going to be, you know, the the subject of too many? No, he's just a casualty of numbers, right? So. And he doesn't play for a sexy club. Yeah. L- let's be honest. He, you yeah, know, they're, they're kids there are there, there are there are some rumblings <laughs> in there, there are some rumblings in Germany where Loeb does um, favor Bayern players over Dortmund players, and Mats Hummels has been the recent the, the most recent most vocal about it. Mo- most recent, most vocal about um, this sort of you know German discrimination. Haven't heard about that before, but um, <laughs> you know so. It's uh, you know it, it it is interesting and I mean the you, you look at the the rosters of the international games and you it does actually have some weight to, to see. To that I, I like seeing I like seeing rosters from you know not just two teams from a league mm-hmm. you know not just Bayern and Dortmund. I like seeing I like seeing you know some Schalke players in there, some Gladbach, and you know even even Hanover's keeper. You know he's the third keeper. Mind you, yeah. if I'd have it my way, I'd want all the German national team to play on one domestic team, so they just play together all fucking year round. This, this actually reminds me of something. Uh, we're talking about, like the different players of different teams. So, out of, out, of, out of England's national team, do you know what team? What which Premiership, premiership team has the most players representing the England national team? There's English players that play in the Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Southampton, Bob? Manchester United. I was love that. Six. Was my first guess. That was my Six first of guess. their players are, are, you know, the backbone of uh, the English national team. So we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and how many of them start? Uh, all of oh, them. I will say Ferdinand for, like, is horrible this year. Bruv. Bro, <laughs> yeah, fuck. Whenever I see whenever I see Rio, I always think of fucking Alibaba. No. Not Alibaba, fucking what's uh, Ali G? Ali G. Ali G. Alibaba. That's a shawarma place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this segment is brought to you by Alibaba hummus and gaba canoes or whatever the fuck it's called. That actually sounds good. Let's go get some Alibaba. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I actually had shawarma today. 
Fuck, I wasn't really sure for a while. Yeah, your breath been stanking. Obviously, things are kind of winding down. Um, last segment, as always. we got to get in close to the end of the season, so we got to figure out something for the rest of the year. Yeah. Arpazanski. Hold on, I don't even know. Do they play? This is your only... This is your only fucking... Dude, the thing is, I don't think... (laughs) It's not like like you have to research this part. He's like on the computer all night. He's like, oh my god. No, but (laughs) you don't have to research this. Because the question is, it's TFC. Still shit. Next question, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so it's episode three of Footy Chat. Um, I am Justin Chambers, saying goodbye with... Gusset. Jason Anastasakis. And Art P. Make sure to follow us online at, uh, on Twitter at Footy Chat Canada. And we're also our website on, online at uh, thefootychat.pod... Fuck. Thefootychat.podbean.com. Uh, next week we'll be taking a break off. We got Canadian Thanksgiving. Nobody, know what that, nobody knows what that means, but... We won't be back. What we're thankful for. What we're thankful for. We're thankful for healthcare. It's a it's a it's a thing for free healthcare. And uh, we'll be back the following weekend. I think think I'm thankful for the weekend the twenty the twenty first. We'll be doing a full recap of World Cup qualification and of course all of the fun shit in the leagues. And all that. And all, everything Mourinho. Everything Mourinho. Hey guys, who wants to go to Paris against the Slash Dog? Or the Slash Dog? I can take my flight because I got the paper. Sweetest engine. 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 Sweet